Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds and I are here talking to our friend Jamie Kane. Uh, Tracy, that first conversation we had with Jamie, it was one of those, it's like, don't stop, let's keep going. Well, today is the time we get to keep the conversation going. Yeah, I'm excited to talk more about what God's doing in your life and how he's guided you. And uh, I love how he's weaved our lives together for such a time as this. And we have education in common and pastoral ministry in common, uh, struggling to be leaders uh, while not being the top leader uh, in common. So, Jamie, welcome back, brother. Thank you. Good to be back with you guys. Uh, let's let's kind of dive into where we were at the end of the previous conversation. We talked about uh, both of those worlds of rejoicing and grieving. Uh, let's let's go back there. What, what are some of your thoughts on how to rejoice well, but also grieve well, cry well, mourn well? You know, um, the most profound experience of my adult life, and uh, in, in for both of those things was. Uh, when we left Tequila and moved to Oklahoma City, uh, my best friend was was ill, had cancer, and um, we were hopeful at the time, uh, but also pretty realistic. He 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 looked great. We had we talked on on the phone and talked. Marco Polo was uh, was very big for pandemic year, just being able to reconnect with people and see see folks. Um, but uh, in December of 2020, we went back for his birthday and um he had he was leaving us <laughs> um mm-hmm. the last words he said to me I, he looked over at me while i was sitting in his room uh, on his birthday and he he just said i love you bro and uh we left and came back home and on december 26th we got the call that he was he was mm-hmm. gone um and i when i say he was my best friend uh, that's not an understatement um, I mentioned the last time we talked about how making friends as an adult requires a lot more um, pain than I thought it was uh, thought it would require. And um, he and I had butted heads, and you know <laughs> we disagreed. He had called me on the carpet. Um, I had called him on the carpet. We shouted at each other, all those kinds of things. So the, the kind of friendship we had was that kind of friendship where you knew you could say anything and, and then and love one another well. So that loss and then um, dealing with that loss in a community of people uh, was, uh, was a profound experience. And we're, we're still dealing with it. I mean, uh, it's, it's a, almost two years later or a year and a half later, and... Um, I still think about him every day. And in fact, this coffee cup was a gift from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the one he drank out of every morning. So um, having to grieve and recognize that it doesn't, uh, that pain doesn't necessarily go away is a, right. was a difficult lesson. Um, and, uh, and 
the, the biggest lesson I learned was that do not do it alone. Amen. Um, and God, in, in his mercy, put people around me who, who loved Rusty as much as I did. Um, and so we were able to call and say, I miss him today. Uh, his, his widow um, and I were exchanging text messages just this week, and uh, she, a picture of us came up in her memories, and so she just shared it with me. And uh, so seeing us play together uh, on a worship team was, I mean, it's a kick in the face, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. And yet to be able to say back to her, um, I, I love and miss him every day, and, and for her to say, me too, today was hard. And um, to be able to share that vulnerability was important. The other piece of that, though, and the, and the, the thing I saw even at his, um, even when we gathered for his funeral, and then we, and we got together with some of his family that night just to tell stories, you know, not, not quite a, an old-fashioned wake, but it definitely felt a little bit like that. We laughed and yeah. rejoiced together that we had been in his life and he had been in ours. Um, and I think it was a that that was a model for for grief that I'm uh, that I'm I'm seeing applied broadly across my life. Yeah. Um, I mentioned in the last podcast that leaving Oak Hill Classical School felt like loss, felt like some my dream had died. Um, so to be able to talk that through with people who are still in it. Oak Hill's still continuing. It's just not yeah. what I expected it to be. The the dream I had is gone. Yeah. And that's okay. And so there to be able to call people who who understand and say I'm sorry. I miss it too. Mm-hmm. And it, and then but the flip side of that is to be able to say but look how look how faithful our God is. Look how mm-hmm. faithful um he is to the to, because the vision was ultimately his. The dream was ultimately his. So there's something about shared pain and shared um, joy. But you talked about joy in the midst of sorrow. What an enigma! Only through Christ do we understand how we can have joy in the midst of tears and the tragedy in the relationships that we have would be if it didn't matter. Right. If somehow it was just trivial, say, wow, that's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. And it ought to be a big deal. Uh, but it's costly. It I is. heard someone say years ago that, that God never wastes pain. Far too precious a commodity. Well, I think the, the, the fact that in some, some sense our, our tears are bottled up for him. He, he knows what, what we have suffered. Um, and as Christ's body, we, when we suffer, he suffers. And if we don't get that and realize, first of all, that we, he shares our sorrow, yeah. uh, as, as trivial as it might be in the moment, or it might seem to us, uh, but also that calling to, to make sure we are sharing our sorrow with other people. Um, as a leader, there, there were times when I didn't want anyone to know I was hurting. I didn't want anyone to know that I was afraid. Um, and I, thankfully, there were peop- I had people around me who... Um, who knew me well enough to say, you're withdrawing. What's going on? You're, um, I, I haven't heard from it. My, my friend Rusty would, would call me and say, you went dark. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And um, 
And he was right, you know, because I just withdrew. And everybody does that differently. You know, I think um, not everybody's going to withdraw in the same way I do. But making sure that you are open enough with people that they see enough of you that they can um, recognize when you're when you're grieving, not improperly, but um, unwisely, <laughs> grieving alone. Yeah. So let's grieve well uh, and grieve together. I love the way you're talking about that because we all have our methods of denial or responding, uh, sometimes escaping or sometimes overreacting or or just not reacting outwardly when internally we're holding so much pain inside and it affects us deeply. Both of you guys write, and I know that part of the gifts you give to all of us is your writing, and you express yourselves through poetry, through other writings. I would love for us to to shift over to those areas, Chris, where I, I think you guys are in your sweet spot, and you're so gifted, and it's such a gift to be able to read and find myself in your writing find my story intersecting your story that's profoundly good so can we talk about that yeah i think it's a good place too. you know just sort of a transition because and both of you know me well and you know this a part of my own method of my rejoicing and my grieving is through the writing uh it's you know my latest book underwater you know wrote my not my latest book but the book underwater was difficult because i wrote about my illness and all the changes in that but my latest book equilibrium I did not realize it until we went back through and looked that I wrote about so many friends or family members who had passed away. And so we had to take some of those journal entries that were just for me and turn them into stories for others. Uh, So what are your thoughts about that, Jamie? And then let's uh, transition just from the writing side to the poetic side, because, you know, I love poetry and it's therapy for me reading it. Such a high percentage of scripture is poetry and it's often ignored in today's culture. So yeah, talk about uh, what Tracy mentioned, just the therapy of writing and your life as a writer, and then just move toward this world of poetry. Yeah, I, I think I think there are very few people who wouldn't benefit from writing to interact with their um, their feelings, you know, their, to try and understand themselves, to begin a conversation uh, about themselves with the page. Um, I don't. I don't think necessarily think everybody needs to publish that, um, right. but uh, but the therapy that's involved in just putting words on a page and then being able to look at them yourself and say, "That's right. That's what I think. That's what I feel," is really important. Um, and I think, in some ways, uh, the the social media revolution has um, started as that, but it's become. Um, well, I kind of want to go there, but I think the the that that I think is the appeal of social media is that people are able to to put their how they're feeling in the moment. Um, the difference is that it goes out to everybody in the world forever, um, versus being able to wrestle with it um, yourself. And um, and I I came to that fairly early. Um, I, I started writing pretty early on, but it wasn't until I was in college that I really started to. Um, to think about my writing as a as a way of processing what I was thinking, um, I didn't come. You know, there's some people who say they started right at the beginning writing that way, but and I didn't. It wasn't until college, and in fact, it was a, a professor at Emmanuel College, uh, Lori Gennetti, who helped me 
start thinking that way because um, in, as opposed to a normal, <laughs> not normal, I guess, typical professor, she, um, she dialogued with me on my papers. Not, not in a, not in a um, punitive way, like, you know, bad, <laughs> bad wording. She would, she would interact with my questions, uh, the questions I was asking in the text. And I, I think that helped me a lot to start thinking about writing differently. And it's actually shaped the way I edit too, just to ask, do more question asking than than telling, um, when it comes to to what what an author is trying to say, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, both of which I've edited. Um, and so that piece of the writing also led me to read in a different way than I had ever read before. To read not just to consume or to have read. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about that. You know, lot, lots of people read to have read. Um, so we're so that we're able to say, you know, I re- yeah, I read that. That was a good book. Mm. Instead of, I can't stop thinking about <laughs> that. Yeah. You know, there there are books I keep coming back to, and um, I find myself and they, I, I've always been a rereader. Um, I read my favorite things over and over again. I watch my favorite movies over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and they continue to. There's something still there. Um, but so the. That's a mark of good uh, of good literature, good good art. That we can't quite get away from it. Um, there's a reason we can read the scriptures over and over again because uh, not only is it that this is the word of life, but it, it's infinitely um, rich. Mm-hmm. I'm 48. I've been a Christian since uh, I was a teenager. Been in the church my whole life, and there are still times when I read something and think. There's no way that has been there the whole time. <laughs> so, it. it's a it's a beautiful thing that that we're able to uh, that we're able to do when it comes to write, reading and writing, and it, and it's something I w- I think we we need to cultivate, uh, especially yeah. as uh, as both leaders and followers. Well, talk to us about the poetry side. Uh, you know, as we're reading and and uh, just so many people there's a ah, that's not that's not my thing well, i'm like it, it's it's healthy in so many ways as i mentioned earlier it's a high percentage of scripture um one third of the bible may be poetic in form some people say more some people say less but at least that much and, and i'm of the opinion that more like eugene peterson he believes there's a lot more than that in the original text um but uh, not just the style, but what it does to us. It, it, it helps our brains. And, and you guys know about my health situation and, and just kind of having to relearn learning again after my illness. But, but poetry was a part of neuroplasticity, rewiring the brain to think differently uh, instead of just, and it's more like life to me instead of this just like straight sentence. The twists and turns of life are to me much more poetic. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, lots of people say they don't like poetry, and um, and I think it's largely out of misunderstanding and not having interacted with poetry on a on a in an other in a setting other than academic. Um, I don't know many people who don't love the twenty third Psalm, right? And the, I mean, it's probably the best known poem in the English language. I, um, I, I don't have any scientific data to back that up, but I, a lot of people know that, that poem and love it, love, the, love what it says. Um, so there, I, I think there's, there's 
um, surprise when it comes to poetry for people. But I, I do think that when, when we cut ourselves off from that different way of seeing things, uh, whether it's, um, whether it's a, a physical or a written poem like, like the, a psalm or, um, or a poem by, um, by a favorite poet, or whether, in, in some ways, there are visual poems, there are musical poems that uh, that people interact with and and don't realize that they're they're loving because they are poetry, because they're emotive, and powerfully imagistic, uh, and we definitely need that way of turning um, turning the diamond of of the of existence and be able to see a different facet, uh, see life through a different um, different lens. Yeah. That is so good. Um, uh, sorry, let me one 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 thing on that front. I think if you're a leader, a good question for you to ask is, "What am I learning to love right now hmm. that I don't naturally love?" If because if you're not, I would I would somewhat boldly say. Um, you're you're missing an important part of becoming a leader. Falling into the, it, it's easy to like what you like. It just, I mean, I I don't have I can turn on the the uh, t- turn on my Spotify playlist and know today uh, today's a my, a my morning jacket day. Today's a, a Josh Garrels day, and today's an Andrew Peterson day, and love it. But to have the discipline to say, you know what? People keep saying this is good, this is great art. I should probably give this a try. Whether it's uh, you get out of, outside your comfort zone and say, you know what, I'm going to try and understand jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the last year and a half, my my middle son loves rap. I do not love rap, <laughs> um, but I'm learning to love. Yeah, I would say I'm 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 learning. There's there's some some artists, some songs that he likes that I'm able to begin to appreciate because I've spent some time with them. I've asked questions about them. I've asked him questions about them. I've let him teach me. Um, but I, we're, we're missing an opportunity to grow. You, Chris, you talked about neuroplasticity, and I, I think there's, there's a deep dimension to that, even for those of us who haven't endured yeah. an illness like yours. Uh, our brains need different kinds of stimulation. So we need to mm-hmm. cultivate it, our affections. We need to tend it like we tend a garden. What do I love? What ought I to love? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you writing on social media recently about the books that were your favorites. I mean, I just, I like seeing that, uh, the importance of books and, and uh, books that have meant something to us, emphasized to others. Yeah, and I think that, that's important. To, to, that's an important question to ask. What, what, what book could you spend the rest of your life with? I mean, it's easy for a Christian to say, well, the Bible. Okay, yeah, let's just grant that one. But uh, what, what, what could continue to sustain you? What, what could you continue to enjoy yeah. is, a, is an important question. So, so good. good. That's so, so beautiful. I appreciate that. I'm pondering that even. I'm getting lost in that. You know, what is it that I need to continue? Or what is it, Lord, that I, I need to share an interest in or, or cultivate an interest in? That's so good. I, I've wanted to be a perpetual, lifelong learner. Uh, and uh, like even learning how to podcast 
as uh, as we were talking about that off the air. Uh, I'm still learning how to do this, but I I feel like you know we get to do this. We have but one opportunity. I appreciate writing. I'm delving into a little bit of that myself, um, and there's so much to learn, so far to go. This has been a wonderful conversation, yeah, thank Chris. You guys. Wow. God bless you, Jamie. How can people find you online and your work? And uh, yeah, t- how do we stay in touch with you? I, I do have a blog. It's uh, not, nothing special. It's James wordpress.com. I still keep a free blog and just am trying to trying to write frequently. Uh, I've been working over the last twelve months on a um, series of articles about the church calendar. Uh, and that's at conversatio.org. Um, and then I work for the IPHC, so I'm, I'm fairly easy to find uh, at IPHC.org or uh, on our Facebook uh, and other social media outlets. Well, we will link to all those things in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming and sharing with us and, and our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. And this is all going to help us continue finding ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.